0: Yes, thank you very much. Uh, I am indeed Kate Russell. Um, I am an internet addict. It is true. It is a sad and true fact. I've managed to avoid being shipped off to a Scandinavian addiction clinic, though, uh, by blaming it on the BBC, which seems to be uh, part of the course these days. So, uh, yes, I am going to talk to you today about the internet. And uh, for those of you who don't know who I am, a little bit of background... um, A little bit about me, if I can get this working. Okay, so never work with children, computers, or animals. Okay, I don't know why this isn't working. (laughs) It's getting further and further away. Okay, is it going to make me press next every time I go in? Maybe I'll just do that. Okay. A bit about me. Um, yes, I. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I work for BBC Click. I do a weekly segment for them looking at uh, websites and uh, apps and all things online recommending to the viewers. We go out on BBC World and on BBC Two. Uh, as well as that, I do columns in Web User Magazine and National Geographic Traveller. I do feature articles for people like the lovely pod delusion couple sitting over there at the moment, uh, and other online publications. Uh, I can often be seen uh, on uh, Daybreak's couch, uh, normally trying to persuade Daily Mail readers that uh, you can't actually get cancer from the internet. <laughs> um, I speak at events like this when people will have me, and the ones that I haven't been forbidden from ever coming back to Uh, and also do some university lecturing and uh, this last year instead of sleeping i've written a book so uh, that's it the ultimate guide to the internet working the cloud and uh, in my last ditched attempt at self-publicity to try and make it all worthwhile i've also just launched a website this weekend so do come along and have a look if you're interested in trying to make the internet work for you, it doesn't matter if you're in business or just want to make your life a little bit easier and run a bit smoother, the internet will do it for you. So in my time, obviously as you can see, and those of you who've seen my work and have seen me talk about the internet before, I'm massively enthusiastic about the internet. And there's an awful lot of good stuff on the internet. Uh, on a good day, it makes me feel like that. Uh, sometimes, it makes me feel like that. <laughs> and uh, very occasionally, I get to feel like that. Which, uh, like the time I discovered breaded cats. You ever heard of breaded cats? You have to search breaded cats. <laughs> it's the most awesome internet craze ever. For those of you not familiar with the, uh, with, with the craze of, in, of breaded cats, this is how not to do it. Uh, this is a very good example of matching collars and cuffs. Uh, Breaded cats. And unfortunately for this poor chap, it was a case of wrong place, wrong time. (laughs) Uh, Wrong species, in fact. Um, So yes, breaded cats. Uh, One of the things that makes me go, oh my god, I love this sick. Uh, Another thing that I love, just so you know, uh, men with beards with cats. (laughs) One of the best tumblers ever. Includes two of my most favouritest things. Guys with beards loving their cats. One slightly worrying picture here, that cat's like, Oh my God, who is this guy? I've never seen him before, make it look bit dumb. So, uh, yeah, there's lots and lots of fun to be had on the internet. Um, but that's not what I'm here to talk to you about, because that's what I normally talk about. And uh, to be frank, it gets a bit dull for everybody, I think. So, um, today I want to talk to you about some of the aspects of the internet that make me go... ...like that. There are some very scary things about the internet. Um, and in fact, number one on my fears of the internet is uh, being disconnected from it. Um, I love this picture. I found it. This is, what, this is what, how we used to do it. John's weather forecasting stone. When it rains, stone is wet. Uh, when it's not raining, stone is dry. Uh, when it's waving about, then it's windy. Brilliant. John's weather forecasting stone. But I have a real fear of being disconnected from the internet. Um, it probably stems from the fact that I'm quite competitive And I am competitive. I am a gamer. So, uh, yes, this is uh, the normal state of play for me when I'm on uh, a Return to Castle Wolfenstein server. Um, She's a little bit younger than me, but um, I often behave as if I'm that age when I'm playing games. Um, In fact, I'm so attached to my gaming that uh, I have been known once to uh, send one of my flatmates up a two-story scaffolding to uh, unbolt it whilst he was up at the top there to release the broadband cable which was jammed between two pieces of scaffolding and was interfering with my gameplay. <laughs> so uh, never get between a girl and her first-person shooter. That's all I'm saying. Um, yes. So that's sort of what, like about me and what scares me about the internet. But obviously, as somebody who spends a lot of time in the, on the internet, there are I've got some very strong opinions about certain aspects of it, and. One of them, post-GeoCities probably age, one of the major things that causes me concern on the internet is social media. And so I want to start today with Twitter. How many of you use Twitter? Okay, so a lot of people use Twitter. It's a a massive, massive platform on the social web right now, but there are an awful lot of people who are getting it wrong. First of all, team follow back. Follow me, follow you. There is this whole ethos on Twitter that it's some kind of popularity contest where the more followers you have, then the more meaningful your life online is. Unfortunately, that's not how it works. This is very cute, right? Very cute little (coughs) ducklings. But when you've got a a line of 40-year-old internet addicts uh, all behaving in that way, it's not quite as cute. People So people see Twitter as this popularity contest, and they think that by getting people to follow them, then it means something. And in order to get people to follow them, they say, if I follow you, then you follow me. Team follow back, follow you, follow me. So what happens is you have people with 5,000 followers, very impressive, but they're being f- they're, they're following, in turn, 5,000 people. Now, I'll be the first to admit that, that generally the media is under this impression that if you've got a lot of followers it means something i got a book deal because of that very thing my publisher said to me we like the way you write idea needs a bit of work on it um but what we really like about you is your twitter following we like your access to an audience and that's why we're giving you a publishing deal but the thing is if i'm following five thousand people then all the people who are following me, those 5,000 people, the only reason they're following me is because I'm following them. It's not because they're listening to a word that I'm saying. And if you're not listening to anything I'm saying, then you may as well just be uh, a, a notch on the bedpost or, you know, I mean, any monkey can click follow, 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 but unless they're actually paying attention to what you're saying, they don't mean anything. Um, there was actually quite a famous study, Robin Dunbar, um, philosopher, said. Uh, that the human brain can only sustain 150 relationships. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's true, you can't sustain 5,000 relationships. You've got to have a look at Yoko Ono, for example. 3.6 million followers, OK? That's a lot of followers. That means something, doesn't it? But she's following 953,000, nearly a million people she's following. Can you imagine the speed at which her timeline is moving? She's never going to see anything that any of those people are following. So it's absolutely meaningless. Um, so for me, some so, so, so stats about it are about 0.05% of the total Twitter twi- twi- population attract almost 50% of the attention on the channel. And 71% of the millions of tweets each day attract absolutely zero reaction. Um, now, I've seen marketing companies uh, throwing money at people who've got lots of followers because they wa- or throwing free samples at them. Uh, you know, if, if that's your line of work, then you need to look at how many people are following. they are following. Because if they are following 5,000 people, there's a very good chance that at least 5,000 of the people following them are only following them because of the follow-back. So they're not reading anything that they're tweeting. So they're meaningless as a marketing tool or anything else. Um, Okay, so the next thing on Twitter that bothers me is acronyms. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm all for acronyms, especially when you've got 140 characters to get a message across. Things like LOL, quite important. Uh, Not as my mother thought, uh, lots of love. I remember once getting a text message from my mother saying, your grandma's not very well, LOL. (laughs) (laughs) Not really appropriate. Um, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> I told her. It, it means, of course, laugh out loud. And when you're communicating with people in text, it's, it's actually one of the really important things to be able to sort of uh, signify that you're telling a joke or there's some sarcasm involved, because otherwise it, you can miss the point and, and upset people. But overuse of acronyth- acronymism is actually beginning to infiltrate the rest of our lives as well. Um, do you use tukst spook too much, mate? Anyone here feel like they use acronyms a little bit too much? None of you. Any of you want to volunteer? There's a really simple test to see whether or not you use acronyms too much. Anybody want to volunteer? Just somebody with a good loud voice? Okay. very loud, very good, Liz. If you could just read out loud for me. The letter's on the (laughs) chart. There you go, so that's somebody who uses uh, acronyms a little bit too much, but yeah, just a little bit of fun there. But um, There are an awful lot of acronyms out there, and um, one of the things that really bothers me this year, and I saw it for the first time this year, and I don't know if anyone else has seen it, but this year, people started saying to me, actually, i got a couple of emails saying as well, saying HNY, and this was on the 1st of uh, January, HNY, What does it stand for? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. If you can't even be bothered to write Happy New Year, then that's... I don't even want to know. So H-N-Y-F-U. Thank you very much. That's what I'm saying. Um, Okay. So, as well as sort of the normal common use of Twitter and using it as a communication medium... A lot of marketing campaigns are disseminated through social media and um, you know it is now the new buzzword or it has been for several years the buzzword in marketing and promotions um, and it's a great way to to reach a lot of people and to get people engaging with your brand unfortunately it can go very badly wrong for certain companies um, one really good example uh, at the back end of last year was the um, uh, this was the Waitrose uh, Waitrose Reasons campaign. So they asked people to tweet with a hashtag saying why they shopped at Waitrose. And this was completely hijacked uh, by people who used it to say, you know, to, to basically take, make fun of Waitrose, saying what a, a posh supermarket it was. Some great ones. <laughs> I shop at Waitrose because it's the only place where my kids' tantrums are classed as splendidly Monterey. Mond- Mond- sorry, darling. Um, I shop at Waitrose because Clarissa's pony just will not eat as the value straw. <laughs> <coughs> um, but brilliant. I mean, it was brilliantly hijacked and we've got lots of people talking. And, you know, it made me wonder as well, is, is a hijacked social media campaign, is it necessarily a failure? Because I think probably more people were talking about this campaign than not. Did it attract any new customers to them? Possibly not. Um, But it got word out about them that that it's a higher class of uh, perhaps supermarket. Another one which was brilliantly hijacked, perhaps didn't do quite so well, um, was uh, (laughs) this was a McDonald's. So McDonald's asked people to tweet stories about what happened when they went to McDonald's. And um, yes. A little bit less friendly and uh, amusing than the the Waitrose ones. But where they went wrong with these two particular campaigns is they were asking people to be nice about them, right? They were just saying to us, love us. world! tell us what you love about us. And giving them no incentive to do that. So, of course, social media turned on them. Because people don't want to just... Uh, uh, pump up your ego for no reason especially not if you're a multinational brand whose uh, uh, directors are board board members are well known for taking home massive pay package people don't want to do that to, um, to put a few things straight this is around another example around the country, it's obvious that many of you have strong and pretty mixed nit- reactions to some of the things many of you tell me you that's a great advert for that.
1: We put aside
0: our political differences to provide our country with stable leadership. But I also meet people who are disappointed and angry that we couldn't keep all our promises. We couldn't keep all our promises. above all, our promise not to raise tuition fees. And to those people, I say this. We made a promise before the election that we would vote against any one's fees. We would vote against any one's fees. We would vote against any one's fees. It was a pledge made with the best of intentions. The best of intentions. But we shouldn't have made a promise we weren't absolutely sure we could deliver. I think there's a a lesson in that for all of us. But that was a brilliant example of, of how. Uh, A viral campaign can make something embarrassing just go around the world many times over. And the thing about the internet is what goes on the internet stays on the internet. It's a little bit like Vegas in that way. Um, And this will be haunting that man for years and decades to come. Okay. Uh, So, next up, um, it's still around Twitter, but we're going to talk about what you can and can't say on Twitter. Because... uh, you can't just say anything you like on Twitter. Um, one person who learned this to her £50,000 cost uh, was Sally Burko, who uh, retweeted um, a, an allegation um, that basically uh, suggested that Lord MacAlpine might have had some dubious happenings in his past. I'm saying, being very aware of my BBC contract and, and, and not wanting to become uh, the uh, 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 victim of any lawsuit uh, in the future. But yes, you can't just say anything you like on Twitter. and We're seeing some really high-profile cases of people being taken to court and people being prosecuted and pursued for their wanton sharing. And it, you know, it wasn't something that she said. This was just something that she shared that somebody else said. So you really need to be careful. Um, the other thing... That you can't say at the moment. Well, you can't say if you're in France, anyways. You can't say the word hashtag uh, because the French government have now uh, brought in a law that says that it has to be called mot diès. I think it is. If anyone can speak French, and Mot diès. Okay, so which is it translates as sharp word uh, in English, and this is something now that they are not allowed to say uh, in France because the French government wants to stop the infiltration of the uh, anglicising of, uh, of, the, of their language. Um, so it is now a legal requirement for all government correspondence and legislation to use uh, modiers, uh, but in a final act of sanity, the or- authorities have decided that French Twitter users won't be prosecuted if they use the word hashtag in its place. So at least there is some justice at the end. Um, OK, so that's Twitter. Next on my hit list of how not to do the internet, is Facebook. Uh, Facebook, uh, it's been through an awful lot of changes over the last few years uh, with over a billion registered users. That's not to say a billion active users. Um, It is a tour de force on the internet, there's no denying it and it's also a place where marketers uh, go apoplectic with joy um, at the prospect of being liked or invited into your networks or shared in your networks, but it's changing quite a lot. Um, privacy, Facebook privacy was came under fire again um, this week, just like this week when uh, Cambridge University researchers, you naughty little people you, um, you troublemakers decided to do a study about what your likes say about you. And um, they took data gathered from 58,000 volunteers, uh, looked at their Facebook likes, and they fed them into um, a set of predictive algorithms which matched up surprisingly accurately with data that the volunteers had provided in personality tests. Um, so the, this basically gave information about their political inclinations, sexuality and even intelligence um, predicted by what we like on Facebook. So you have to be really careful if you don't want to give too much away about yourself because now you're finding that employers are doing searches on Facebook uh, as well. So um, it's really come come more and more, the privacy aspect has come more and more under fire on Facebook. Um, Also, who do you friend on Facebook? Now, it's fair to say my grandmother's 90 in four weeks' time. That's my real, actual grandmother. Um, and that was her at last, last year's birthday. She is my Facebook friend. I think that's pretty awesome. She's a 90-year-old woman, she's still living on her own, and she's living on her own because we've got her the internet, and she is able to maintain some level of independence through the internet. Having her as your Facebook friend, possibly not such a good idea, because occasionally things like this happen on Facebook for me. <laughs> and trying to explain that to my grandmother is a little bit awkward. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not always a good idea to have your uh, grandmother as your Facebook friend. There are other things that aren't a good idea. For example, when you have a 16th birthday party, um, not a good idea to post the invitation as a public invitation on Facebook. Um, as happened to this lovely uh, lady. Uh, 16-year-old uh, Facebook party, she hadn't said it's a private, went viral reportedly going out to over 30,000 people. Uh, The internet being the internet, it spread far and wide, and despite the party being cancelled, and the red-faced teen running away to a neighbouring village to hide, around 600 riot police had to turn up to disperse the crowd, and it turned into that. Uh, And that's an actual real-life story that happened at the back end of last year, and it's not the first, either. I mean, there have been four or five Pretty big stories in the news in the last year of people inadvertently posting information about a party to a public forum on social media and it's going absolutely crazy. So, if you're going to post a public, uh, uh, an invitation to a party with your address on it, make sure you've posted it privately. Um, the other thing about Facebook is you can't say what you want. Of course, you can't say what you want, and they do moderate it. One of the things that they moderate quite heavily is pictures. And they've got quite a firm set of rules. And now this is a, a Mick Stevens cartoon that was pasted on the New Yorker's uh, Facebook page. Um, uh, can anyone guess what in that photograph or what in that cartoon perhaps caused the New Yorker to be banned from Facebook uh, briefly? Boobs. boobs! To be, to be uh, more exact, nipples. Not boobs. Boobs are fine, but nipples. There's two dots there. They're a problem. The male ones are fine, although I'm not sure why. Um, But yes, those two little dots got the New Yorker barred. Um, And it's a difficult thing for Facebook, right? Because we upload 250 million photographs every single day. We, the collective we, the royal we. Um, That's just one from a festival that I went to last year that was very muddy. Um, and so, in order to moderate those photographs, they have subcontracted that moderation out to a firm. And one day, a 21 uh, year old Moroccan who uh, got basically fed up with being paid a dollar an hour to screen Facebook content uh, decided to send the cheat sheet to the Gorka. This was at the back end of last year again. So he sent to the Gorka. The Abuse Standards Violations Cheat Sheet that they all work off in moderating the content. Now this is content, they don't look at every single piece of content that's gone up, because it's obviously 250 million a day, but if you flag something and say, I have a problem with this, it goes to this third party company. Let's just have a look at some of the items on the the agenda here. Sex and nudity. This is where the New Yorker fell, fell. Any obvious sexual activity, even naked parts are hidden from view, hands, clothes, or objects. De uh, naked private parts, including female nipples, nipple bulges, and naked butt cracks. Male nipples are OK. Uh, a little further down, one of the things that they don't like is mothers breastfeeding without their clothes on. Um, and even further down in that section, blatant obvious depiction of camel toes, And moose knuckles. (laughs) That's a big no no in Facebook land. Um, Okay, so we go over to the graphic depictation section and um, we have a look here. So the things that are not okay photos and digital images showing internal organs, bone, muscle, tendons, deep flesh wounds are okay to show, and excessive blood is also okay to show. What's not okay? Crushed heads, limbs, etc. are okay. They're okay, crushed heads and limbs, as long as no insides are showing. Uh, No exception for news or awareness-related content. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think I want to live in a world where it's okay to show a crushed head and deep flesh wounds with excessive blood, but a woman breastfeeding or a a nasty camel toe is a big no-no. This really concerns me about the world that we live in. I think there's a a, a real misguided moral compass going on. Um, Okay, so moving on then, brand impact, so the brand benefits. And one of the things about Facebook is it's it's a massively brilliant way for for marketers to try and infiltrate our lives and to sell to us. And if you spent any time on Facebook, then you'll know about this already. 62% 62% of adults worldwide use social media and 22% of their time is spent online being social. Uh, so you can run a targeted campaign to compete with any of the big brands if you're just a small company. And I think you know, that's a brilliant thing actually, um, but there's a worrying development going on with Facebook. Oh, uh, yeah, and, and don't get me... I mean, this is just Facebook. Also, Kickstarter uh, and crowdfunding is a brilliant thing at the moment. If, you, if you're if you interested in hearing more about um, crowdfunding in terms of funding creative projects, I'm actually going to be talking about that at the Pod Delusion live tonight at 7 o'clock. In here, I believe. So come back and have a look at that. But there's some brilliant stuff going on on Kickstarter at the moment. I love this thing that happened last month. Uh, they, they did an open-source uh, Death Star, um, and they were looking for funding... And um, and then, in retaliation, uh, the Rebel Alliance decided that they needed <laughs> to uh, crowdfund the next wing squadron. So, uh, you know, ridiculous campaigns that are never going to get uh, their target. But I think it's a good example of people using social media. Um, so, as I said, I'm going to be speaking about that later. One of the problems, though, with Facebook at the moment is they brought out this promoted posts thing. And this happened earlier in the year that it started to become... Uh, a very popular subject of discussion amongst bloggers and um and writers on uh, various different newspapers because they've started saying for seven dollars you can have your post promoted and what that will do is that will make your post be seen by many more people uh, and friends of friends and it will appear in their feed and one of the things about facebook's feeds is you don't see, if you've got a friend or you've liked a brand, you don't see everything that they post. If you don't interact with the posts that they do, then you start dropping off their, uh, they start dropping off your feed list. Um, And what these promoted posts are supposed to do is basically bump you back up to the top of their their feed list so that you definitely get seen in their feeds. But some journalists and bloggers have been uh, accusing um, Facebook of actually not just promoting posts, but suppressing those posts that aren't paid for. Uh, there was a very um, high-profile example of this. Uh, a New York Times blogger, Nick Bilton, uh, who um, basically said he, he ran a test and he uh, he tried the an experiment and he paid uh, Facebook seven dollars to promote a post and he claimed that the result was a one thousand percent increase in the interaction to the link he posted and pre- previous to promoted posts, he'd seen a lot more interaction than after. So this is a really big question going on at the moment around uh, Facebook and I think it could be uh, you know, one of the killing blows for them in terms of you know, death by paper cuts um, because you know, they've, they've been riding roughshod over our privacy anyway and now the one thing, the, the one saving grace for, for them was that people could market on an even keel with the big companies and now they're actually killing that. They're killing one of the only benefits that they've got um, in order to try and scrabble a few dollars together to try and uh, please their um, their shareholders. So it's a real problem for them at the moment. Um, now, and it's something that we should be worried about, worried more worried about as well, um, because there are over a billion registered users now. That's that's one seventh of the planet, um, and. We had some kind of democracy. How, how many of you have got a Facebook account? Never mind if you use it all the time, but if you've got a Facebook account and you use it to some extent. OK, so a lot of people in here have got a Facebook account. And we did have some kind of democracy in that if they made some changes to the privacy policy, we could have a vote on it. Um, and there was a mechanism that was, existed within the website. It was the Facebook site governance vote. And what would happen is if there was enough dissension against a change in the privacy policy, then this vote was triggered, this page became active. And if 30% of registered users voted against the change in the privacy policy, then then they would sit up and listen, 30%. So that's 30% of 1 billion users. So that's 300 million people. Close to the entire population of the United States of America. This was the pretense of democracy that we had. Um, yes, of course you can change a vote against the privacy, as long as the whole of America actually goes to the polling station and votes for them. I mean, you know, there actually been a, a worse turnout than for the PCC elections in November um, for most of the votes. The vote's only been triggered three times in its lives, in its lifetime. And the last time that the vote was triggered, so, uh, so of those of you who had, put your hand up again if you got a Facebook account. If you knew about this vote, keep your hand up. Okay, so like a handful of you knew about the vote. And would any of you like to hazard a guess what the last vote was for? The last vote was whether or not we keep the vote. And do you know what happened? We didn't. We didn't keep the vote. Uh, Only 668,000 people turned out to vote, which is actually a pretty big number, but it's not 300 million. So unfortunately, uh, in terms of democracy in governance of the privacy policy on the site, that's what we're getting (laughs) from Facebook right now. So so that's Facebook. And again, it's something that we need to keep an eye on because so much of our lives is stored in Facebook now and so much is going on there that you really should care more about what policies they're coming together with and what they're doing with your data. Um, One of the things that obviously is important about it is privacy. (coughs) And I want to talk a little bit about privacy now because uh, (coughs) there is a lot of information that we give away um, online and... I mean, I I'm actually not one of these really big privacy campaigners that says you know that we should we should not give anything away. I, for me, I, I like cookies actually. When I go back to a website, I don't want to have to put in my details again. I don't want to have to put in all the information that I've already put in. I don't mind that my web that that my web browser knows that about me and understands that about me and can cut some corners for me. That's a trade off that I make for an easier life when I'm spending so much time online. Um, But in terms of browsing history, you know, there there, there are now ways for all of us to be more private about what we're doing. Um, All of the main browsers now have some kind of do not track facility in them. Um, Opera, Firefox, Chrome, Internet Explorer, Safari, you can choose to do private browsing. And I would really urge you to do that. Not least, not because you've got something to hide, but just because you just want to have a little bit of control back. And I think... The more people that choose to browse privately and choose to hide some of the stuff that they're doing online from these big companies, the more people that actually elect to do that, the more notice people like Facebook will take about just steamrollering our privacy policies and, um, you know, and, and taking us for granted. Uh, Firefox were one of the first to really heavily implement this do not track. Facilities and in two thousand and twelve, they they found that eight percent of desktop users had decided to go for the Do Not Track option, and nineteen percent of Android users um, were, were opting for it as well. So, you know, these c- numbers are going to begin to start making these big companies sit up and take notice. So <coughs> it's, it's it's a really easy thing to do; just click the Do Not Track button. Simple. Um, the Snoopers Charter. This was something that actually. It, it, uh, some of you may know this already, but at the back end of last year, we actually managed to get this bill blocked. It was a bill that, w- that was widely criticised, that was going through Parliament, um, called, known as the Snoopers Charter. And basically, uh, the government wanted to um, get, have much bigger rights for storing and tracking and sharing and having access to our communications data. Um, and that includes emails and browsing history, and they want to have a lot more control and access to that. So why should we care about that? Um, one of the arguments that people use in favor of these you know and and against campaigners who are anti uh, snooping charter was, well, if you've got nothing to hide, then why are you worried about it? Well, I've got a fairly average browsing history, you know to be fair, although. Uh, Google Ad Preferences thinks I'm a 24-year-old boy for some reason. Um, but, you know, it's a fairly average browsing history. It's nothing I'm particularly ashamed of. Got a fairly average backside as well. It's nothing I'm particularly ashamed of. Would I want Theresa May looking at it? I don't think so. Um, it's a question of principles here. They don't... And, and also, historically, the government has not been very good with our personal data. There was a study that happened last year, Uh, back at the end of 2011, a report was published about surveillance reform. Um, It was called the Freedom From Suspicion uh, Act, and it looked at the RIPA Act. Um, Now, RIPA is the Regulation of Investigatory Powers Act of 2000. Um, It's an act of Parliament in the UK that enables public bodies to carry out surveillance and investigation, and it also covers the interception of communications. Now at the time when it was brought about, it was claimed by the government and government ministers that this was a human rights-compliant, forward-looking legislation. Now this study, uh, the executive summary, basically found some worrying things. More than 20,000 warrants for the incep- interception of phone calls, emails and Internet use uh, were carried out. And at least 2.7 million requests for communications data, including phone bills and location data. And this was since the act started in 2000. Um, more than 4,000 authorizations for intrusive surveillance, e.g. planting of bugs in someone's house or car. Um, there were at least 30,000 authorizations for directed surveillance, for example, following someone's movements in public or watching their house. So in the, in the past decade, this is the, the, the important thing. I guess we get got two down here. In the past decade, there have been close to 3 million decisions taken by public bodies under RIPA. This doesn't even begin to include the ones that we don't see, the uh, requests on behalf of MI5 and MI6 and GCHQ, which have never been made public. Of those 3 million decisions, um, how many of them ended up in front of uh, the main complaints body under RIPA? In other words, how many went to court? 1,100 cases out of 3 million in 10 years. And anyone want to take a guess how many convictions? Ten. Ten convictions. Three million government requests for private information resulted in ten convictions. So it is something that we should be worried about. Not if we're doing something wrong, but just because they don't need to be getting away with this. They don't need to be able to just say, we just want information and you're going to give it to us and there's going to be no consequences for us asking for it. Um, If you're shocked by that statistic, then have a think about this year's figures, just released by Google uh, in its latest biannual transparency report. Uh, In the second half of 2012, the operator of the world's most used search engine revealed that it had received 21,389 requests from government offices for data, about 33,000 individuals. And that figure represents a 70% increase Uh, in requests since the first (coughs) transparency report was released in 2010. So it's getting worse. The governments are getting worse. Now, Google actually doesn't comply with all of them and they're getting a bit better at saying no, but it's still revealed that it had passed on uh, at least some of the requested data in two-thirds of the most recent cases. So this is something that we need to be paying attention to and we need to be worrying about uh, a little bit more, I think, than we are. Um, Okay. So I have, oh, okay, I wasn't sure how long it was going to take me to get through all of that lot, and I don't know if anyone's got any questions, uh, but I just want to really quickly touch on something, uh, which is one of my annoyances as well, because I'm a big shopper. I love online shopping. Um, in fact, I can't stand high street shopping, um, but I love online shopping, and um, I'm not alone. I'm a shopaholic. Uh, usually I shop in the comfort of my own home. Um, <laughs> Haven't been known to go out to the shops, the actual shops, dressed like that yet. But uh, this time, and um, I'm not alone as well. I mean, this was uh, some some insight from um, uh, from Experian from this December. 13, 113 million visits were made in the UK to retail websites on Boxing Day, uh, it's the biggest online shopping day ever, and um, it's actually up 30% from 2011. And (coughs) click and collect services grew by 40%. So there's an awful lot of people who did last-minute shopping. So um, it's a massive, massive increase year on year. Great news for retailers who are online. Not such good news for the high street, although I've got some thoughts on that as well. I quite like the sort of pop-up shops that we're seeing beginning to come out now. Um, But that's another talk entirely. But one of the things that bothers me is the way that some of these operations work and that you really wouldn't... Uh, put up with it in real life and there's two examples and I'm actually going to let Google talk here because they've done it brilliantly well Uh, but one of the things that bothers me is um, when you're searching for things You're not to sell milk? Your search for milk returned 52,256 results. <laughs> Your top hit, milk of magnesium. No. <laughs> milk floats of yesteryear. No. but this milk family wall planner. No, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm just looking for, you know, normal milk. Couldn't find what you're looking for. That's what I'm saying, I couldn't find it, so I'm asking you if you could... Advanced search. No. Oh. Uh yeah, okay. Milk. Please narrow your search by using one of the following pill tops. Kayak, packet twelve, shelf cleaning. Breakfast and common. That one, Breakfast. (laughs) Milk skim semi. Semi skim milk! That's what I first asked you for. Uh it's milk skim semi. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, that's something which badly needs to be fixed and with all the intelligence that we've got at our fingertips now in terms of technology, you'd think that they would, they would come up with more intelligent ways to search. And then the other thing that really, really bothers me right now is recommendation engines. Right? We shop online and we are constantly being fed information about what our friends like, what people who bought that like, and uh, there's often no correlation to anything in the real world and this is a really good example of, uh, well, Google telling it well. People who got olives, also have Chardonnay. Oh, alright. <laughs> 78% of people who use Chardonnay. also simple, what to do when it? it's not valid for you? <laughs> <laughs> We're not buying all three. It'll give you a total saving of seven pence. Well, I think I'll still pass, actually. Just the wine then. No, sorry. What? I didn't know. Excuse me. Excuse me, I'm, I'm not buying this wine. Right. Are you sure you want to remove that item from your basket? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why not try something new? What, and buy something totally random that I've never shown any interest in? Wilson Kate Memorial mug? <laughs> okay, I'll take the mug. Obviously, I'm joking, aren't I? <laughs> mm. <laughs> So, yeah, it is fair to say that Google do do some things very well indeed. And and making short films to make you laugh is one of them. Um, Okay, so that's pretty much all that there is for me. Um, Thank you very much for listening. Join me on at Kate Russell if you want to talk about any of these things. I'm a complete Twitter addict and I would love to hear from you. Buy my book and make my publisher very happy. That's not my publisher, but it is a happy elephant. Um, and do come along to work in the cloud. Biz, where I will be um, hopefully telling the world how to use the internet for their business. Thank you. <laughs> we have ten minutes for questions, yeah, if anyone. 10 has to questions. Put- I want to know why my laptop. What did it try and offer you ch- during the YouTube video? Chinese women. <laughs> Chinese women, yeah. That <laughs> laptop is only used at academic conferences. <laughs> en- anybody who is actually a, a, an advert that's attached to that film of oh. uh, yeah of of uh, yes. So they're not they're not searching my browser. So. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, <laughs> uh, are, are you serious? <laughs> Why trigger one? What app were you using for your presentation? That's Prezi, prezi.com. You've got to be careful with Prezi because it makes people seasick if you go too crazy with it. Um, but yeah, p- prezi.com. And um, it's got an app that you can do it on your, um, uh, pre- present it on an iPad if you've got it as well, which is quite nice. But yeah, it's, it's really cool. And it's free as well, to, up to 100 megabytes free. I went over my 100 megabytes last yesterday doing this. I'm just like, oh my God. So I've had to pay for it now. <laughs> Yes, yeah, or Sunday afternoon, it was, uh, they, they, weren't, uh, they weren't open for that kind of request. I did tweet them. Yes? What's your thoughts on ad-blocking um, software and add-ons to new browsers? And it makes it a much more pleasant experience, but are we actually depriving the, the services we like of the information they need to keep going? Yes, I mean, that's a really interesting question. I don't think... I, the, the, if you go to somewhere like uh, Facebook, uh, it's actually, they're, they're finding other ways to get to you. I don't think that we're going to destroy anything by blocking ads um, and I, I think there are enough people who who don't block ads and don't know about blocking ads that, that actually the majority of ads will make some kind of money for the people who are placing them there. Um, you know, again, I stand in the camp. I'm with Scott McNeely from Sun Microsystems who famously said about 15 years ago, you've got zero privacy anyway, get over it. And I'm, you know, I really am, I believe that online. There are certain things that we control and the way that they use my information, I can have some control over by being careful about what I click and what I agree to and making sure that the the, the websites that I sign up with, that, that there's actually a really good website because one of the, it's called one of the, um, greatest lies of the, of the web is uh, d- uh, did you did you read the terms and the conditions yes you clicked yes right and, and nobody ever reads them but there's actually a website called uh, TOS-DR.org um, terms of service didn't read you can google it terms of service didn't read and they are crowdsourcing people who've read the terms and conditions, and they will put it out in a block. You know, there's all the popular and and some growing number of not so popular services. You've actually got a bullet point of the key terms that you're agreeing to when you sign up with these. It's really good for things like when you're sharing images and stuff like that. Because some of the some of the sites, as we saw with um, Instagram's change of uh, terms and services earlier in the year. Um, you know, you're giving away quite a lot to some of these companies, so it's worth having a look at that if you're not unsure about what you're agreeing to. But I don't, I don't have a problem with advertising. If I've got to be shown advertising, I'd rather be shown advertising for something that, that I might use, you know, like a nice sparkly sequin dress, rather than uh, penis enlargement or something, which or Chinese Chinese, Chinese ladies women. exactly. I didn't need to buy them. Well, we've all learned something. Hello. Do you not find that what you just said is an argument for not trying to go incognito? And which browser do you use and why? Ah, okay. So I use four browsers. Um, uh, What I do, because I have lots of different lives, Um, I have a browser that I use for when I'm working on my book and my website that's all linked up to that and all the social media accounts are linked up to that. I use uh, use Opera for that. Um, I use... Uh, Firefox when I'm doing my um, stuff for a fiction book that I'm working on at the moment, that I've got the, the Kickstarter through. I use Chrome when I'm doing my BBC Click, because I manage all their social accounts as well. Um, yes, I, I mean, I find the, 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 the ones that I do lots of work on, um, I tend to d- just allow it to track me, because that's fine. That's, it's work-related, and if, if they've got something that's interesting for me to see, that relates to my work, then I don't have a problem with that. But if I decide that I'm going to go on a little jaunt of the internet and discover breaded cats and boys with beards with cats, um, that's the kind of browsing I do in, in private because I don't really want it popping up as an advert on a YouTube clip when uh, somebody's showing it in front of 50 people. Um, yes? okay um anonymous is it's a it, hacking white hat hack, hacking black hat hacking it's all a bit of a gray and murky area um, I think some of the things that they do are good I think a lot of the ways that they do it are unnecessarily showboaty some of the time but then the, the, the problem with anonymous is it's uh, for those of you who don't know anonymous is this sort of like ubiquitous hacking group but we say group but actually you know their tagline is we are legion Uh, you know they are the faceless everybody and i think some people take advantage of that and use it as a as as something to hide behind just to to make mischief i think you have to pick your battles really carefully if you're going to go down that route and i think some online hacktivism is very important and is really valid but i think unfortunately it gets uh, the murkiness of people who are doing it for their own showboating or for their own personal... Not everybody has got this sort of altruistic ideal in their heart when they're going down these avenues. So it's kind of a difficult one. Um, I think, you know, one of the things I'm going to be talking about tonight at the Pod Delusion talk is uh, about um, uh, copyright, actually. And I think this is one of the really interesting areas at the moment is what is the new... what should be the new... Uh, intellectual property model for earning money out of creative works. Um, and, you know, you see things like... If you've seen the Pirate Bay movie, you should... Yeah, anyone who hasn't seen the Pirate Bay movie, it's open source, it's online, just Google it. It's really worth watching. Because there's some really good ideas and principles there around um, how we can start sharing and, and, and how creatives can start making money in a digital world. And it's... You know, my talk tonight is, is copyright holding back the torrent. And the pun is entirely intended because you can't, you know, it's, you, you are trying to ho- stop people downloading digital de- data from the internet uh, without paying for it is like holding back a river with your fingers. It's just, you, you can't do it, so you have to work with it somehow. So. Can I ask a question on that? Go, Go on. on. Um, so the whole thing I find interesting about piracy and this hot internet and daily things is, isn't it hard for me when people do try to sell it to you? They do such an awful job, it's often easier to pirate I mean, the great example is, I buy a DVD, I put in my DVD player, and I want my kids to watch Dumbo, and they cannot sit through ten minutes of trailers that you can't skip because they, you know, yeah. it's like a pirate, I can just watch the movie. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true, and, and there's a whole thing about, you know, DRM as well, and the the, the trouble is, I, I hosted a discussion <coughs> about this in um, at the Internet Governance Forum uh, in Azerbaijan at the end of last year, and... Our discussion was supposed to be about looking at possible new models for copyright uh, and intellectual property royalty fees basically in the future and it was completely hijacked by the uh, by the traditional um, uh, IP lobby and and they were basically they were record labels uh, you know big big wigs in suits from record labels and from uh, movie companies and distribution companies and they're just terrified about losing their six figure salaries and they w- they just see money, 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 money. They've got so used to just seeing creative works of it's just art. It's frustrating when you want to pay for it and you get a worse product. Anyway, it yeah, is too much of the true. time. It's crazy, and and it's it's. Uh, I think it is a a mind shift that we need to go through. You know, we the internet is full of people expecting everything for free, and and you know, and, and the thing is, once you go to a service and you want that service for free, you cease to become a customer and you start to become a commodity, and you get treated like a commodity. So we need to find, we need to start educating companies that there is a middle ground that people are prepared to pay for stuff because people. They used to people not wanting to pay for it, so they have to try and rip their earnings out of us by some other means, by making us force feeding us commercials, or you know, fi- finding some other way of actually forcing an income out of a, a business model. And it's it's a re-education, and I think we are beginning to go through a, a fundamental shift in attitude on the internet. And crowdfunding is going to be one of the one of the leading things in that as well, because people will be able to put a business model online and test it with, a, with an audience. You know, they'll be able to say, I have this idea for a business model for a new Google reader. In order for me to make it financially viable, I need 100,000 people to say that I'll, I'm prepared to pay $2 a month for this. Through crowdfunding, they can actually get those orders in advance. Before they even write a single line of code, they can, they can see what the interest is from the crowd and get uh, you know, financial commitment from the crowd. So I think that's going to be a really important development in the, in the years ahead. Uh, you said about some problems with uh, Facebook and Twitter today. Uh, I've, I've managed to avoid those, uh, but I still spend too much time on the internet and on my computer. I'm uh, wondering if I'm missing anything that's um, an essential part of modern life by not joining either of them. Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, for me, Twitter is, Twitter is the main conduit through which I get... Uh, the world of stories come come at me, news stories and, and you can the thing about Twitter is you can you can filter it and it's it's a very non-invasive way of of consuming information because you don't have to give Twitter anything. You can just be completely receptive with Twitter. Um, is it can be a completely one-way street. You sign up with Twitter, you figure out, okay, it's the, the news news programme you like, the the hobby that you like to do, and you can sign up to a few people who do that. And, and, and what you're getting from them is they are curating content. So if you follow me, for example, on Twitter, this isn't a bid for people to follow me, but if you follow me on Twitter, I spend a lot of my time trawling through the tech blogs and you know speaking to people getting press releases from companies who know me as a good conduit to an audience and I will curate that and filter that and I will post links to only the stuff that I think the people who follow me that I that I find interesting and so if you find similar things interesting to me then you don't have to curate you don't have to trawl through all those hundreds of thousands of articles you can just come to me and see the 20 or 30 that I've posted that week. So I think in terms of Twitter, if you like information on a l- range of different subjects, but your Twitter experience is only as good as the people you follow. So you know, if you're following 5,000 people and any, any old so-and-so who says to you, follow me, <laughs> um, then you're not going to have a good experience. No maybe you 're not missing anything maybe you're but you know I mean the, the nice thing about Twitter is the serendipity aspect as well I mean if you 're searching particular information streams, then you are going to pretty much stay in the, the, the avenues that you are interested in um, unless you 're finding your own ways of, 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 of serendipitous discovery. Uh, you follow the links, yeah, yeah. If you've ever spent an afternoon, one of my best Sunday afternoons is actually following the YouTube link So you, f- you get a YouTube video that you like and you just look down the side and go, oh, that one now. Oh, that Sorry, one, now. <laughs> one more question. Yeah, thanks. Uh, great, great one. If money was no object, what business would you do online? God. Oh, gosh. That's a really interesting question. If money was no object, what business would I do online? I think I would stop anybody else ever launching a social media network without it actually doing something different from all of the other <coughs> social networks that are out there. That's what I would do. I would, I would put a worldwide ban on new social media websites unless they actually do something new. That's a rubbish answer, sorry. I'll think of a better one and I'll tweet it later, though. Uh, well thank you. Thank you.